0: Can score with the Jim Allen group at the JagAdvantage.com. Equal housing opportunity. Stall push the puck down low. Now back to Stall and power blade scores! What a give and go with Sebastian Ajo to Jordan Stall. And the captain gets the K.
1: Cane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Cane's Corner Podcast, Adam Gold.
2: Welcome to the Cane's Corner Podcast morning after edition. I am Adam Gold. Thank you very much for spending some time with us after a Carolina Hurricanes 3 2 Overtime win over the Nashville Predators. Carolina wins their sixth in a row. First time they've done that since March of 2010. It has been just over 11 years, like 11 years and a week since they have won at least six in a row. And that was separated by an Olympic break, they won five straight, uh, took about a two-and-a-half-week break for the Olympics, came back. It was a great Olympics, by the way, in 2010 in Vancouver with the uh, with Canada beating the U.S. in overtime in the gold medal match. Uh, and then Carolina won the first two games after the break, so they got it to seven. That was the, that's the longest winning streak they have had uh, since uh, 2010. Uh, incredible stuff. Uh, didn't look great throughout, uh, but we'll get to that in a little bit. And then a uh, little bit of a special guest tonight on the podcast, uh, Alyssa Gagliardi, uh, who's part of the Youth Hockey Development Program for the Carolina Hurricanes, a former captain at Cornell, a gold medalist. She will join us to talk a little bit about the game, uh, and then also uh, how uh, to get your uh, your girls, your daughters involved in hockey. All right, so the Canes win at 3-2, and the morning after podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina, if it's for the exterior of your home. You can find it at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Siding, roofing, entry doors, storm doors, gutter helmets. They've got it all at the Aluminum Company of North Carolina. Aluminumcompany.com. Let's see here. Uh, this was for about 35 minutes largely garbage <laughs> for the hurricanes. There was actually a very good start. So if you wanted to use the analogy, they started on time. I thought the Hurricanes started on time. They played I think 8 to 10 really really good minutes. Could have had, you know, a couple of goals. Pecarine was good. Hurricanes didn't get a lot of seconds. Uh, There wasn't a lot of jam in the front of the net. There wasn't a lot of congestion out in front of Renee, making it tough on him. But Carolina had scoring chances. So it's not like there was a lack of effort. Uh, But there was a lack of will to get to the middle of the ice. They were really good around the perimeter. If this was a three-point shooting contest, I think the Hurricanes would have been great. Uh, but it wasn't, and so Carolina didn't have anything to show for it. Then Nashville kind of took over, I thought, in the second half of the first period, and then for the most part, they were the better team throughout the second, but in the middle of the second period, it seemed like an energy shift from the fourth line kind of got them going, even though I thought Nashville scored a goal, if I recall correctly, Nashville scored a goal after that to make it 2-0, Carolina was, at this point now, engaged. And now they started getting to the power plays. Nashville started to take some silly penalties. Uh, they score a couple of power play goals. They go to the third period tied. Now, in the third period, even though Carolina was the better team, I do think that uh, Nashville had the better chances in the third. There were some golden opportunities. And this is where Alex Nadelkovich really came up big. There were a few posts hit. Holy hell. Heck, in overtime, Victor Arvidsson had the net empty and just somehow swept it wide. I don't know how he missed the net, but he did. And then I, it might have even been the same shift. He hit the post, or somebody hit the post. It was crazy. I think it was Yarn hit, hit that hit the post. Anyway, Carolina was very lucky not to lose this game, and they played a terrible overtime period, but ultimately they won it. Uh, And when we write the story of this game, this is, I mean, it has, it's really two people. But let's just go with the guy that scored the game winner. Let's go with Jordan Stahl. I remember, I am old enough to remember, when people saw Jordan Stahl not scoring goals and just assumed he's not scoring goals, he's not good at this Oh, he's, ter- he's a terrible captain. Uh, they need to get rid of Jordan Stahl. They need to buy him out. They need to trade him. Anybody now? Anybody now? Like, I know it's going to sound weird uh, because Connor McDavid has, I believe, unofficially 11,000 points in like 25 games or whatever they're pl- they've played so far in Edmonton. Uh, he's going to be the Hart Trophy winner. Uh, and maybe there's a couple of other guys. Victor Hedman is certainly in that category. Um, I don't know. Jordan Stahl should be mentioned. I mean, the Hurricanes are now, what, 18-6-1. Jordan Stahl is having an offensive renaissance. I mean, he's got 10 goals. He scored eight last year. He's got 10 goals, scored eight last year. He, we haven't played as many games this year as we played last year. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but it's not just the production. He goes out and, uh, like, let's give you the official numbers today. 22-45 on ice. He scores two goals. He scores the first goal, super pass from Ajo. Scores the last goal, big man strength down the boards, and then beats Rene, looked like far side post. He wins 20 of 28 face-offs. He leads the team in shots on goal with six. He delivers three hits. He lugged this team across the finish line. He was just awesome. In fairness, I'm not sure he was the best player, but it was close because I really think the best player was Sebastian Ajo for the second straight night, Uh, but Jordan Stahl wins the game after uh, just a dreadful overtime period. And I really do believe, because there were, I think, uh, what, 35 seconds left when the shot goes in. I really do believe that at that point, Jordan Stahl was not going to give up possession of the puck. <laughs> they, they were going to score, uh, or they were going to somehow figure out a way to get it. I He was going to pass the puck initially, and then he went, you know, this passing thing is not working for us tonight. I'm just going to carry it as far as I can and see if I can win it. Uh, but it was a smart decision. It was the right call. Uh, but, look, Jordan was great tonight. Sebastian Ajo was, for the second straight night, an absolute... I mean, he was the best player, really. And they did this against Florida. I'm not, I'm not going to try and tell you that I told you so because this ain't what I'm about here. It's not what I'm trying to do. But we always get caught up with... Who, who certain people play with and whether it was the right move or not whether it was designed to get Aho playing at this level or not Sebastian Aho in the last two games has been amazing in every facet of the game in all three zones in the face-off circle. He won 14 of 19. Was it 14 of 19 faceoffs the other day Went 14 and five in the face-off circle Sunday against Florida. He went uh, 11 and six tonight in the face-off circle against Nashville tonight. He was great tonight. Here's the thing. I didn't think there was a winger on the ice at all for Carolina, other than the fourth line, that was really worth anything. Maybe McGinn played okay, but honestly, Nita Ryder and Natchez, they weren't any good. <laughs> Svechnikov and Faust, they weren't any good. McGinn was okay. Uh, Fogel wasn't very, very good tonight. The fourth line was good because that's just, you know, three guys going around, going out, throwing their body around. Uh, but it was basically the the centers were left on their own tonight. Uh, great performances, I thought, from so many guys in the blue line. Uh, there were still some mistakes. Brady Shea made a bunch of mistakes, but also Brady Shea was tremendous tonight. He had seven block shots. I'll say the same thing about Dougie Hamilton. Hamilton blocked five shots. Uh, there weren't a lot of great passes uh, that were made out of, the, out of those two guys. Uh, they fumbled the puck a little bit. Um, Made some interesting decisions with the puck, but uh, they blocked a lot of shots. I thought Dougie was physical tonight. Brady's usually physical, but Dougie was definitely physical tonight. Uh, Slavin was doing Slavin things, which is good. Uh, Brett Pesci was very good tonight. Uh, Fleury and Bean were okay. Uh, I thought uh, Jake Bean showed you a little bit more of the high end tonight. I don't think he was amazing, but I think he showed you a little bit more of the high end. And it's really a small sample size for both those guys who played under 13 minutes. Uh, but, uh, you know, there, there is certainly, uh, more to give from some of the, uh, the players that we just mentioned, but there ain't nothing more to give from number 11, number 20, and I'll throw number 16 in there, uh, who were their, the hurricanes, three best forwards tonight, not even close other than the fourth line. I'm not even sure I would put anybody in the same, uh, in the same stratosphere as those three guys were tonight. And Alex Nedeljkovic was outstanding to me. He was the third star. Uh, my three stars were Nedeljkovic 3, Ahu 2, Stahl 1. But honestly, I really thought about giving out two first stars because uh, I thought Ajo was that good, and Stahl, of course, had the first and the last goal. All right, let's get to uh, let's get to the recap, then we'll take a break, and we'll talk to Alyssa Gagliardi, uh, former Cornell star uh, she played with the Boston Pride in the uh, Professional Women's Hockey League, uh, and uh, we'll talk to her about uh, youth hockey initiative and a little bit about the game. As well. All right. Here's the uh, here's the recap. There was nothing going in the first period other than I mean Ned Ned looked pretty good. Ned uh, Ned made a save.
0: Nashville in the Canes zone. Nedeljkovic has to make a save on Carrier who busts into the Canes end. Two tries there. Nedeljkovic with a stout save for Carolina.
2: Yeah. Uh, after the first eight or ten minutes, Carolina just I to me they were getting frustrated because Nashville was just clogging up the neutral zone. Carolina couldn't get any speed through. And, uh, you know, Carolina looked just like a team that was, I'm not sure, very, you know, ready for to gut that out. Uh, but ultimately, they would get a chance. In the second period, uh, Carolina was hoping to get back on their game, but they didn't. Uh little traffic in front of Nedeljkovic in the early stages, and the ice was broken. Nashville
0: was able to poke it free into the Canes' egg gets a stick on an attempt by Sessions, but Nashville keeps the puck in the zone. Shot is hammered right on by Borbieski. And makes the save. Now captain, they score. Shot from the point. Seeing eye shot by Matt Benning. Gets past the Canes goaltender, and it's 1-0 Nashville. One minute, one second into the second period.
2: Yeah, Tolvanen and Borowiecki, or whatever his name is, uh, they were in front. Brady Shea. Uh, didn't couldn't do enough, or I, I think it was uh, Tolvanen was in front. They couldn't Shea didn't do enough uh, to create the uh, you know a path for Nadalovich to see it, and it's one nothing early. And really, it wasn't a very good period. I, although I did think that midway through the third, through the second, there was a fourth line shift that I think got Carolina going, and it became a little bit more even. Of course, Nashville still scored next, and again, it was about traffic in front of Nedeljkovic. Picked up by Johansson. Now he'll return one into the
0: Canes corner where Forsberg delivers that hit on Svechnikov. Has it gets it back to Fabro. Fabro risks one, and it gets through Nedeljkovic, and Nashville scores. It's 2-0 Predators.
2: Yeah, Ryan Johansson with his second goal of the season. That's right, Ryan Johansson, just his second goal of the season. Uh, a deflection in front. Jacob Slavin there, but... Not uh, not quite physical enough. Didn't have position on Johansson. Couldn't tie the stick up, and it's 2-0. Uh, and then it was Carolina getting back to their game, and they got back to their game because their power play is now somehow absolutely lethal. It doesn't always look good, but they seem to score a lot of goals on it. And frankly, that's all you really need to know. Aho and... Uh, Stahl play a two-man game uh, and they break their own ice. Stahl push the puck down low no, back to stall. and power play scores! What a give and go with
0: Sebastian Ajo and Jordan Stahl and the captain gets the canes on the board it's now a 2-1 hockey game
2: Krocek got the other assist. Stahl gave it to Ajo, a perfect pass out in front to Stahl, who got it past Rene, uh, and it's 2-1. Oh, now the ice is broken. We should do more of this power play scoring. So Carolina got another power play pretty soon after that. Uh, they it, it was okay. It was good. They got a lot of possession, had some shots, didn't get much going. They didn't, didn't get a goal. But Nashville takes another penalty. And all of a sudden, Carolina has a five-on-three. And by the way, the penalty that Nashville took at the end of the that initial one was a a double minor. So Carolina's going to get a four-minute double minor after this one. But they have fifteen seconds of five-on-three, and they knew what to do with it. Project looking back over Hamilton. Hamilton crosses.
0: Oh, he scores!
2: Sebastian.
0: And two a five-on-three goal for the Hurricanes
2: was a bomb, and all of a sudden it's two-two. Uh, I think Nashville had a little bit of a push. Andre Svechnikov took a penalty uh, as the first of the double minor was uh, about to expire. So ultimately, they played. Actually, it was just after the double minor expired. Uh, they played four-on-four four hockey. Nashville was actually a little bit better than Carolina in the four-on-four. Um, but no goals were scored and then Carolina killed off uh the penalty that was hanging over but um again yeah just three offensive unnecessary offensive zone penalties i believe two to fogel and one to Svechnikov tonight uh were very very frustrating uh i thought and did a uh, did probably enough damage to the momentum uh where carolina was just even though they had the Game tied, probably felt like they were fighting it again. Uh, it was just an, an unnecessary penalty. There wasn't a lot there, but there was enough. When you're on the power play, you can't do that. And Carolina still had another almost two minutes of power play time that they, uh, you know, were getting ready to use. Uh, so you didn't even if if you lose possession of the puck, go get it and bring it back in. So anyway, I'll get off get off my uh, my soapbox. We we expect Svetnikov to be one of those dominant players. Uh, In the last couple of games, I just don't think Svechnikov has been all that good. Uh, But Carolina survived at The penalty kill went 5-for-5 on the night. Uh, The PK was great in the win over Florida. It was great in the win tonight over the Predators. And uh, Carolina's now scored power play goals in six straight. They were 2-for-6 on the power play tonight the uh the overtime win was Carolina's third in overtime this year. They're now 3 and 1 in overtime. They're what? 4 and 0 the it 4-0 3 and 0 in shootouts, whatever the number is this year. I think it's 4 and 0 in shootouts. Uh and it was the first overtime loss for Nashville all year, which I believe came in 11 and 14 on the season and now is 11 14 and 1.
0: With 39 seconds left it stalled motoring through on the forehand, and he scores! The captain, Jordan Stahl. He had the first goal of the game for the Canes, and he's got the game winner with 34.9 left. And the Canes get the extra point and move into first place in the Central Division.
2: Uh, so, uh, all in all, I, I think Carolina, in a way, got away with it tonight. And uh, that's going to happen. Getting away with it is allowed. Uh, you don't want to make a habit of it, but uh, getting away with it is allowed, and Carolina sort of got away with it tonight, and that's uh, that's fair. By the way, Tampa won in overtime in Detroit tonight. Florida was a winner uh, in Columbus uh, as the return of Sergey Bobrovsky went well. Uh, Tampa back in front with 38 points. They are 18-4-2. Carolina is second with 37 points. Tampa does have a game in hand, 18, 6, and 1. Florida is third with 36 points, 16, 5, and 4. Uh, and Chicago was a loser to, uh, I think, to Dallas. Did Chicago lose to Dallas? I'm not even sure. Uh, but Chicago is in fourth place at thirteen, eight, and five. I'm not. I'm still not sure how good Chicago is. Uh, there might just be three teams in this division, just like there's only three teams in the West. And I think there's only. I'm not even sure how many teams. I think there's really only two teams in uh, in the North. I think the best teams are in the East. Uh, But it's hard to tell because there's no crossover games. Uh, Anyway, let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk to Alyssa Gagliardi. Uh, She's with the Carolina Hurricanes. She helps Shane Willis uh, run their youth hockey program. They have a a bunch of initiatives for girls. We'll talk to her about the game tonight. And we'll also uh, find out what's going on uh, with youth, youth hockey within the Carolina Hurricanes organization. I am Adam Gold. This is the Keynes Corner podcast, uh, and you can follow us wherever you get your podcast. That's the new term now. We don't subscribe anymore; we follow podcasts. Uh, rate us, review us, give us a five star rating. Uh, be nice to us and let us know what you think. We'd we'd love to see a review. We like to read the reviews. The reviews are largely favorable, but if if you don't like it, you can you feel? I mean, it's up to you. I don't, uh, I'm not here to beg you. Uh, if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you're probably not listening anymore, uh, in which case we'll talk bad about you another time. Uh, all right, let's take a quick break. We'll come back with Alyssa Gagliardi of the Hurricanes. Next. All right, a little treat for us tonight. Alyssa Gagliardi with the Carolina Hurricanes. Also, I should really point out, uh, one of the great players in the history of Cornell hockey, uh, former captain, a gold medalist, and now helping not just girls but kids uh, understand how great hockey is. And from Raleigh, originally from Pittsburgh, uh, and from Raleigh now with the Hurricanes. You can follow her on Twitter at a gagliardi92. Um, first of all, let's, before we get to the game, I just I need to get a, a few things straight about Alyssa Gagliardi. How did you get the bug? to play? Cause you were, you were great. You were a great defenseman. Uh, can I call you a defenseman? Is that, is that even legal to call you that?
1: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't
2: know. Um, but, but how did you get the bug?
1: Yeah. I mean, I was lucky. Um, I had older brother, you know, and growing up just wanted to do whatever he did. So we started playing roller hockey with our cousins and then eventually, you know, some family friends said, Hey, you should, try ice hockey and we thought they were a little crazy because you know at seven eight you know my age you're practicing you know you're going to the rink at 6 7 a.m um with the the tough time slots but you know i didn't even remember the first time on the ice i just i don't really remember a time without you know loving the game of ice hockey and and hockey in general so pretty much you know at, at seven eight years old I hopped on the ice and, and never really looked back
2: Yeah, my son got to start a little bit later than that, and uh, he's got the bug. It's like for those people who get hooked on golf, I think it's the same, it's the exact same thing. There is, uh, I think there is nothing like it. Let's talk a little bit about the two centers that we saw tonight really start. I didn't like much of anybody else among the forward group. Well, Trocek, I thought, played a good game too, but uh, Aho and Stahl, to me, were just absolute stars tonight. Um, In overtime, which... I don't think that's how Rod Brendamore drew it up. Do you, uh, <laughs> yeah, <do> you- <laughs> not,
1: that, yeah, that's not usually how any coach I think would draw it up, especially you know with the the Preds missing that open net there, pretty much. So, um, got a little lucky, but you know sometimes that's just that's the way it goes.
2: I have Victor Arvidson's going to see; he's not going to sleep well tonight. He had the, <laughs> yeah,
1: and he had the crossbar late in the third there too. So he had two pretty great chances within a few minutes, and um, you know, I think sometimes you're just like, oh, you know, got past that one.
2: Where, as a, uh, as also a former captain, can you take us into the mindset of somebody like that when they are, uh, you're, you know, your team as a group hasn't really played their game tonight, uh, but there's a game to be won. How do I mean, how do you do stuff like that?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it's just like staying in the moment, right? Like the game's still going. So the biggest thing you can do is just hop out over the next shift and obviously a leader like Jordan Stahl uh, literally takes the game, you know, pretty much carries it on his back um, and, and gets that game winning goal. So I think that's huge. And obviously, um, you know, you take what you can get in those three on three overtimes. There's a lot of open ice, but you got to be pretty strategic. And, and if you get an opportunity to, to take that puck up by ice, you take it and go.
2: I think that right there is where strategy finally re- returned to the overtime. I don't think there was a ton of strategy uh, for the most part. Um, like, You know, you mentioned Stahl kind of, you know, he carries everything with him, you know, and it's not just literally, it's figuratively with him. Uh, And I remember in the lean years when he was the captain and the team couldn't buy wins and he couldn't buy goals. Uh, Mm -hmm. How you could tell how things were wearing on him. Um, I don't know if you notice a difference in him, uh, but he's just... It is incredible to watch, really, the, what he has done this year. Now, with uh, ten goals on the season, he's basically at a point a game, uh, and nobody is wondering whether or not he's the right guy to be a captain.
1: Oh, without a doubt, yeah. I mean, it, it's just so cool, you know. This it's one of those players that I'm sure if you ask anyone around the league, like he just does things the right way um, at the teammate. I'm sure you know he's one of those kinds of players you um, rally around because, again, day in day out, you know what you're going to get. He's consistent. He battles, and you know he's not always going to blow you away with, you know, some moves or maybe a speed. But um, he'll grind it, grind it out, and uh, dig in to get those to win those battles, and you know, ultimately score big goals. Which he's doing a lot this year.
2: Yeah, the w- w- they're down two nothing in the second period. They get two power play goals. It seems almost seems like uh, when you played, uh, was there an uh, was there an energy line? that just seemed to turn things around? Cause I kind of thought that the Steven Lorenz line in the second period was, I mean, it was just instrumental in what they did. So, uh, I mean, how can a game like that maybe turn on a single shift?
1: I think a lot of it comes down to the team, right? Like you're, you have to buy into, again, it's not always the glamorous things that you can get energy from. Sometimes it is those grind lines and, you know, they win battles. They, they have another team in their zone for, A minute, two minutes at a time, and all of a sudden, you know, you feel re-energized on the bench, and and you just know guys are doing their jobs, and it seems like, you know, I think players like that and in lines like that are so huge, and I think that's a really big reason why the Hurricanes are having success outside of, obviously, the the stars like Svechnikov and Aho.
2: Yeah, I mean, the depth scoring, really, this year has been tremendous. You have Nino Niederreiter with, I think, 10 goals or 11 goals now. Trochek's got 13. Uh, even Brock McGinn, who hasn't scored in a while, but no, I don't think Brock McGinn on his uh, job description is score big goals. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But he's got seven. So, I mean, that's really the difference between, you know, Carolina maybe not having the record that they have right now. Oh, definitely.
1: Yeah, I mean, you need that scoring spread out in order to, to having a successful season, especially in a shortened season like this and with so much unpredictable, you know, factors like scheduling and, and postponed games and things like that. So I think to, to get that scoring spread out, it all ultimately just builds everyone's confidence as well.
2: Alyssa Gagliardi with the Hurricanes is joining us here on the Morning After podcast. Uh, so let me talk a little bit with you about Sebastian Ajo. Um, for the most part, Ajo always plays well. Um, but I do think that there is a standard that he has for himself, the head coach has for him, that I think is, is high, so high that when he doesn't meet that, you can tell uh, just how mad he gets. I remember there was a game that they lost not that long ago where I thought he was going to break all of his sticks on the bench. <laughs> um, but the last two, when Aho has that, it, you can almost see it in his eyes. When he's he will not be denied, and I felt like that was what we saw from uh, from number twenty tonight. I don't want you to rank him among the best players, but what do you see when you watch Aho? You know, you know, with that mindset.
1: Yeah, I think it's exactly that. It's the you know those players that want the puck on their stick and that want to be the difference maker, and they make things happen. Right? They don't just wait for the game to come to them. They they really dictate. Uh, And I think that's what he does so well. And, you know, even after, you know, losses and stuff, you see in the post-game interviews how frustrated he looks. And, you know, sometimes he played well, but when the team doesn't have success, he carries a lot of that. And um, he knows he has to, you know, produce and contribute uh, in order to to make the team successful. So I think he carries a lot of that, but obviously he's stepping up in a huge way this year.
2: When you played, did you note, could could you tell when somebody uh, had captain like in their future? I mean, but obviously you were a captain. So it was, uh, I'm sure somebody said that about Alyssa Gagliardi, uh, but can you tell when somebody is a future captain?
1: I think so. I think there's a lot of things that, you know, they're not necessarily spoken things that, that stand out in terms of leadership. And obviously, you know, someone like Ajo's, uh, you know, clear cut as somebody that, um, you know, he puts the team above himself and his own personal stats and he, and he cares about the team success. And I think, um, just the way he plays the game, and again, it's not always the the glamorous things that um, you know you kind of see on the highlight reels, but the people in the locker room and the people in the organization notice a lot. Um, that ultimately leads to really great leadership.
2: All right, one more thing about the team and a little bit about the game, and uh, then I want to ask you about some stuff going on with the uh, with the team and the youth initiative, uh, which I know Shane Willis. Uh, I mean, they do an incredible job, uh, and I mean, there's so many kids playing hockey uh, in Raleigh. It's just absolutely awesome, and I know my son is uh, is totally totally into it. Uh, when you look at this team. Um, is there an element that you think they just need to do a little bit better, uh, an area that they need kind of shoring up, or is this a team that just needs to just keep playing, uh, because it'll come?
1: Yeah, I think the I mean, and it's not really in their control, but just, you know, avoiding injuries and things like that. And on tables, you know, in and out, Gardner, um, so I think just keep kind of doing what they're doing. But I think obviously you run into, to the possibilities of a couple injuries or guys go down and, um, that's where you need, you know, younger guys to step up as well and keep the ship going in the right direction. But I think, uh, you know, they're, they're showing that they're a strong contender for this year.
2: I mean, they really are. And you know, they, they haven't had Peter Morazic for, Oh gosh, it's now it's a month and a half. Um, And I thought that they believed that he would be back sooner. Uh, Now it looks it's going to be longer than they they anticipated because they brought up Antoine Bibot uh, to be their emergency goaltender. Uh, But Ned's played well. I thought Ned played really well tonight. Uh, This is now, I think, five games in a row where he has been uh, really, really good. I don't think these two goals tonight were his fault. Um, Reimer has obviously made a ton of big saves and he keeps winning games. So, uh, yeah, I guess we shouldn't even be concerned with what the secondary numbers are. If James <laughs> Reimer doesn't lose very often, uh, it just doesn't matter. Um, but look, what, what have you seen from Jake Bean? You're a, a, a defenseman. So what have you seen from Bean in, I guess, limited ice time, but he certainly looks like he's a lot more comfortable.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's been fun to, I really enjoy watching some of these younger guys come up and kind of just obviously he, he pretty much dominated the AHL level. So you always hope that those guys can make the the next step. And obviously they've invested a lot of time and a lot of years into his development. So it's, it's awesome to see him getting a chance and an opportunity and, you know, making the most of it. I think the, the best part about the, the Canes is their defensive core. Um, it's a tough one to crack, obviously, but it's a good thing because, it, you know, one through six, one through seven, you've got so much depth, they can pretty much be interchangeable. So um, I think hopefully they stay healthy and, you know, hopefully those guys like a Bean continue to get to get in there, get their feet wet at the NHL level and develop.
2: Were you more like a Jacob Slavin or a Brett Pesci or a Dougie Hamilton?
1: Uh, I would say probably like a Brett Pesci. I liked being a little offensive. Um, but obviously, I really like taking care of the, the D zone first, shutting down other teams' top lines. But I could, I like the jumping up in a rush when I could.
2: Yeah, I, 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 think because I do stars every day for these games, or at least I, I don't give stars out when they lose. I, I am, I'm uh, the pod. It's a homer podcast. Um, but <laughs> I, I think I've given Brett Pesci a star probably. of the games that the Hurricanes have won. All right, I need you to tell me a little bit about uh, what's going on. I know that yesterday was International Women's Day. I shouldn't say yesterday. I should say Monday because most people will be listening to this on Wednesday. Uh, But it was International Women's Day. Uh, And I know I heard a lot of uh, conversations uh, about uh, women's pro hockey and all of that. But what are you guys doing uh, to get... You know, girls more involved in the sport. And I know there are two girls that play on my son's team uh, and they're pretty good players. They're as good as any of the guys pretty much. Um, so tell, what are you guys doing to get girls more into it?
1: We're really just, you know, it's a huge investment by the hurricanes and the NHL um, to help grow the game. And uh, you know, the Canes girls youth hockey program that we're launching this spring and it'll run, you know, every year moving forward in the, the fall and throughout normal hockey season. But, it's really designed to be a stepping stone for girls, you know, after they start first school or learn to play um, to be able to go into an all girl environment um, with all female coaches and yep. uh, development and things like that. And the big reason is, you know, you look at the numbers in, in girl sports and things like that. And the reason why girls play sports um, and a lot of it's the social factors and things like that. And we want to provide role models that that they can aspire to be and things like that. So um, to us, it's really important just to, to create that environment. Um, and then ultimately, you know, we want to provide top-notch coaching. We want to introduce them to some off-ice training and things like this that will just help them and, and build confidence um, in their everyday lives and long-term. And then, you know, hopefully just continue to foster that love for hockey.
2: It's really cool to see how, how many, and I went to the first, uh, not the first goal program, but even the camp, but, but also the first goal program. There's tons of girls out there.
1: Oh yeah, there's a ton, and you know, this summer we're hoping to have a an all girls first goal program um, potentially, and and so it's really exciting. Like the it's, it's the numbers have over doubled in the last you know four or five years, and it's just continuing to grow with the Carolina Junior Hurricanes program being more competitive, and um, you know, ultimately again, it's just you know getting them involved in the sport, making sure they have fun, and you know, long term, you know, your goal is that. They develop these skills like confidence and teamwork and self-esteem and all these things that will carry them, you know, way beyond what they can do on the ice. But if we can provide that environment and that love for the game, um, create, you know, just more Hurricanes fans, um, mm-hmm. it just continues to solidify Raleigh and then the Carolinas as a hockey market.
2: You've played about a decade uh, in the professional, the women's league. Um, and I know that there was a sh- they didn't They didn't have a cup last year. Uh, and they're hoping to get uh, get back on the ice this year. I don't know if you're gonna still play or not. I know uh, you were, uh, you were listed I guess for with uh, Boston last year. Um, but what is the future of women's professional hockey? And there are two leagues I guess that are in a way rivals, but uh, at some point you'd have to think that they would uh, they would get together. Uh, there's probably a, a a better chance of it working with, the two leagues working together as long as the business model's fine. So what is, uh, what's the future of professional hockey for women?
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a board member with the professional women's hockey players association, which um, where our goal is to create just kind of a more sustainable and viable professional league for women Uh, right now. And and really up to this point, you know, any leagues that have existed they're they're not really professional in a lot of ways. Um, You know, it's not a living salary. The resources you get, Um, aren't quite there yet. Um, but we look at something like the WNBA, um, the support they get from the NBA and how they've grown in the last 20 years, um, to be profitable and things like that. So I think, uh, that's kind of a a model that that's really attractive to us. And then we've got a lot of support from NHL organizations actually last week, um, was the first ever professional i hockey game at Madison square garden. Mm -hmm. So that was pretty historic. Uh, you know, group played at the United center in Chicago this past weekend. And then there's some other exciting events coming up, but obviously with the, the excitement building towards the 2022 Olympics next uh, February will be great. It's always a big jump for the sport. And, you know, ultimately we just want to see something truly professional. So again, these, these young girls were getting into the sport. We don't want them to have nothing to look forward to like the little boy, you know, your son can right. look, say, Hey, I could go play in NHL if it was a fit, but you know, little girls—they look, and there's not really much there. Oh, it's a great sport. You know, it's the best sport on the planet. We want to create a better future while also growing the game. So it's an interesting balance right now.
2: Yeah, it almost seems like the only uh, the only real high profile avenue is uh, you know national team stuff, but there just aren't as many competitions. Um, but look, I hope it uh, I hope it works because it's it is a great sport. College, women's college hockey is bigger and bigger. Uh, now, I mean, I don't know how many teams are, are playing, but it just seems to be growing like crazy.
1: Yeah. The, the college side is phenomenal and the talent coming up through those ranks and and to your point, right? You don't want to just rely on a national team where there's 20, 25 spots. Um, there's so much talent, there's so much depth and it's only getting better and better, uh, each and every year as, as girls and women's hockey becomes more of a focus. So uh, the future's bright, and it's not where we want it to be right now for the future of the game, but it'll get there, and we're confident in that.
2: Alyssa Gagliardi with the Carolina Hurricanes. I thank you very much for your time. We'll do it again. Uh, follow her on Twitter at agagliardi92. Uh, how can people get information if they have daughters and they want to get involved uh, in an all-girls first goal program and camps and things like that?
1: Yeah, the Canes Youth Hockey website, canesyouthhockey.com, will have all that information on from first goal to this Canes Girls Youth Hockey program and everything in between. So that's uh, the best resource. And if you have any questions, just let us know.
2: So six in a row, not bad. Canes are in second place in the Central Division, and they will take on the Nashville Predators again on Thursday. Uh, let's, be, uh, let's be honest. Nashville without Roman Yossi, without... Matt Duchesne without Eric Halla. it's not the same team. Carolina play a better game on Thursday night. I'm pretty sure of that. Uh, but they got the win tonight. They got it in overtime because the captain uh, and the kid, if you will, uh, Jordan Stahl and Sebastian who were absolutely lethal tonight. They combined on one goal. Jordan Stahl uh, got the other one basically on his own, uh, and the Hurricanes pull out a 3-2 overtime win. Uh, until Thursday, I am Adam Gold. The Morning After Podcast is brought to you by the Aluminum Company of North Carolina on Hamlin Road in Durham. Uh, Anybody can put siding on your house. Anybody can put roofing on your house. Gutter helmets. Well, actually, only the Aluminum Company of North Carolina can do gutter helmets, uh, but it's the best customer service in the industry. Go check them out online, aluminumcompany.com. Canes 3, Nashville 2, in overtime. Talk to you Thursday on the Morning After Podcast. I'm Adam Gold.
1: You've been listening to the Canes Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL SportsBan app. And you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Canes Corner Podcast.
0: Is getting your CPAP supplies a real pain? It doesn't have to be that way. Hi, I'm Brandon Giggling, president of Parkway Sleep Health Centers, and we are North Carolina's number one source for CPAP machines and supplies. Our streamlined process makes getting your CPAP as easy as one, two, three, and we ship anywhere in the state.
1: If you're in need of a CPAP machine, supplies, a knowledgeable doctor, or a sleep study, Parkway has you covered. For information or to schedule an appointment, visit parkwaysleep.com. Sound sleep, sound health.